0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Rethink Energy uh, podcast uh, with me Peter White and our intrepid analysts Harry Morgan and Andrews are We've been away for a couple of weeks on holiday so there's a lot to get through. One of the um, important things this week is BP has come out and, and said it understands that peak oil has happened and also it, it happens just a week after it's cut a deal with Equinor on on getting heavily into the wind market, which I think, Harry, you've covered. Should we take
1: BP seriously this time? I think we should. Um, the fact that it's come alongside this acknowledgement we've passed, because really is a sign that they are starting to transition as a company. The deal with Equinor is detailed around 4.4 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity, which is around double the uh, renewable capacity they have today. Just like that, in one in one deal? Yeah, just like that in one deal. Um, and it's £1.1 billion that they've spent, um, which is a real chunk towards this new promise of spending around a third of their capital expenditure on clean energies. Um, and if they continue to push forward with offshore wind, they could end up being a real player in the sector.
0: Yeah, even a third uh, of money spent on, um, on renewable energy, you know, it still leaves two thirds spent on fossil fuels, which are uh, you know, wasting assets. But they've got to start somewhere. And, and you're right, I, I can see them spending more. Uh, I, th- I always say that this is a kind of, it's a balancing act between what traditional BP investors expect from BP and, and getting to renewables as fast as you can. And, and Bernard Looney wouldn't want to be in his seat. It's a difficult role.
1: Yes, it's a really interesting phenomenon that we're seeing with BP because they just seem to be eking everything out over a long period of time. Um, obviously, they announced their write-downs right at the start of COVID. Um, they've sort of been playing around with their dividend, getting rid of that, um, and just sort of upping their targets for renewables bit by bit, just to suddenly not really shock the investors and cause this massive blowout. Um, but it does actually seem like they are transitioning this time, which is um, a really pro- promising sign. And as we mentioned in your webinar a few days ago, it could be a way of them sort of turning around the dramatic reduction in stock price that they've seen uh, over the past like, year or so.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you're going to have to attract a brand new type of investor to BP, And if if BP makes that transition, then it's an example to push harder for companies like Shell and uh, Total. And uh, the real intransigence that you've got in in, uh, ExxonMobil, who who love fossil fuels forever and will never touch renewables, might melt away as they've fallen out of the the top American stocks. There's a feeling in, in this issue, actually, that the whole industry is at an inflection point. Because China here, and Andres has written about this, um, it looks like they're going to up their game in their 14th five-year plan on the renewables front. Um, Why don't you just tell us a bit about that, um, Andres?
2: Well, China has a 20% clean energy target for 2030. So the natural assumption before for this five-year plan that's coming up through to 2025 is that it would aim for 17.5%, which is the midpoint between 15% that they have now and 20% that they're heading towards, and that would that would be quite a lot of additions. Um, but what they might do now, according to some rumor and expert opinion, is they might bring the 20% target forward to 2025. Uh, yeah, to 2025 in this five-year plan.
0: They, they, they kind of deliberately leak it, don't they? Somebody proposes an idea, and then they chat about it, and then someone else proposes another idea. and then This is all prior to the thing finally being set in concrete. So it's definitely coming from people who know what's on people's minds, yeah. and it's definitely positive. Um, it's, it's quite interesting at the same time, and, and I know it, you can't compare a, a managed economy with uh, one like, like America, but uh, but the SCIE, the um, Solar uh, Alliance in, in the States, it's, it's got a similar kind of ambition. It's, it, it's come out with this week as well.
2: Uh, there is a bit of a difference between these two stories. So in China, we know that the 14th five-year plan will be an evolution of existing policy. Uh, but in the US, this massive solar association prediction of 500 gigawatts of solar and 100 gigawatts of battery storage and 100 gigawatts per year of manufacturing, uh, that is dependent on which side wins in the elections. Uh, if the Democrats win, they will make it happen with 400 billion dollars of funding for clean energy over the decade. Um, but if the Republicans win, it's going to be business as usual, which is about half of what the SEIA has predicted.
0: Except that, except that, China's China's new plan could mean them adding 500 gigawatts yes, to solar and another 500. So that's a terawatt of, of of solar and wind.
2: Yeah, in the in the Chinese case. Um, yeah, they'd be heading to over a, over a terawatt of renewables in the high case. Uh, and we'll start to see this by the end of this year because we were saying earlier this year that maybe China would only add 35 gigawatts of solar, but it might end the year at 45. They, they're upgrading their panels and everything like that. And they've got energy storage for the first time now. And
0: then kick straight on to 50, 55, hmm. 56, that, that kind of number. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, uh, in doing that for five years, yeah, it, it's... I mean, it really is an inflection point. I do, I do think the whole marketplace is accelerating. It should be starting to become a paradise for investors. You know, the, these are deals you can invest in, knowing that there's a return, and you'll get a return for 25 years. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot more of that going to be out there. Um, one investor story this week, though, was um, was was deliberately heavily negative. Um, uh, the um, Nikola uh, Corporation, who, who started out making electric powertrains f- for trucks, and then uh, moved into fuel cells and, and into uh, smaller uh, vehicles, um, uh, pickups, um, just cut a deal with General Motors, and its share price jumped to a market capitalisation of twenty billion. It had only recently gone public through a, a reverse and. Um, and it just crashed and burned because a researcher came out and said um, that, um, it was, uh, that a lot of this technology was from someone else, that you know, it just put a badge on it, and uh, that the CEO had told lots of lies. Um, and it was really healthy to see uh, them hit back with a point-by-point rebuttal of everything this research company said. Within a few days, but it still took eight billion dollars off their stock, and um, it's going to be tough for them to come back from that uh, initially. Um, but the the thing I found really interesting was they just cut a deal with General Motors. It's not about what's happened for Nikola. It's about the fact that General Motors stock went up three or four percent based on the on, on a deal with. Um, company starting to be considered a possible tesla of the truck market you touched on that harry in the story as well didn't you
1: yeah so i think the really interesting thing about Nikola um and sort of comparing it to the likes of tesla is that they're not really entering the same market necessarily obviously there's the overlap between the Nikola badger and the tesla cybertruck and um, we'll see a lot of friction there i'm sure also elon musk um referring to full sales again i'm sure um but it's the the difference that has here is that, compared to the companies like XPeng, Auto, Fisker, um, who are entering the electric vehicle space, Nikola does have the potential for this massive growth and to become a Tesla. I don't. There's definitely not room for another Tesla within um, the conventional electric vehicle space, um, as we pointed out in the article we wrote this week. I think it was something like, based on the 391 billion dollar valuation Tesla has now, it would need to be reaching around 18 million. Um, vehicles sold per year um, which isn't impossible I mean that's around 20 to 30 percent market share um, but it's it's impo- it would be impossible to have several new entrants of that scale in the market if you went back to the you went back to the 1900s of the model t ford
0: when that first came out if, if you said oh one day there will be millions of these sold people would have laughed but of course um the whole the whole story of uh, the car industry uh and detroit it's it's um it happened and it's going to happen again you're you're absolutely right but but only one company is going to have this massive valuation because of all the belief in it but i think once the share prices start to become based on how many vehicles you've sold in eight or nine years time rather than the money you do i think that there'll be room for those um those other companies In in the vanguard behind Tesla, I I, I don't think they'll be dead. I think uh, they might be a very different shape, but and they won't get as much of a a share price gain as perhaps they did. Um, But perhaps uh, um, um, this is Nikola is the um, is the one for trucks. I mean, it's it seems to. You know, I was really impressed when they had that partnership with Iveco. I mean, I just thought that was. Uh, genuinely enterprising, and I thought it was, um, it, it's hard hard for anyone to keep up with that kind of move.
1: Yeah, and I mean, General Motors is very aware of that as well. I mean, You've got to remember that General Motors have been around the automotive sector for a long time. Um, so General Motors clearly aware of what's going to go on with the truck sector. They've actually made sure with, with the deal they've signed with Nicola, they've got exclusive rights to sell um, Nicola's fuel cells for sort of class 7, class 8 trucks um, in any market outside of Europe. So. That sort of interest shouldn't go unnoticed. And I think the fact that you've got Hindenburg, who have a short position in, Tesla any, uh, in Nikola anyway.
0: This is the research company, yeah. They, they've um, Nikola's reported them to the SEC and uh, want them investigated. Um, I don't know if that's a realistic proposition, but uh, uh, that, that at least that's happened. The General Motors CEO, Mary Berra, has um, consistently pushed down expectation around EVs and hydrogen. And yet, here she is, cutting a deal to sell this, um, the uh, Nicola Badger, um, or to build it at least. I mean, they won't be selling it, but to build it exclusively. And it looks to me like that's going to um, finally um, bring her to parity with Ford in the pickup market because she, they've been chasing Ford for the last 10 years and, and within 5 or 6% of them. Uh, in the last in the last quarter, uh, but Ford still is dominant in that market. And perhaps how may still see it, perhaps they still see the market as pickup rather than which technology drives it. But um, uh, I think that she's quietly um, pushed down uh, EVs uh, while peddling as fast as she can to bring them on board. And this deal shows that. You know, if you if you will put two billion dollars of effort into a company like Nikola, uh, means you really believe it.
1: Yeah, I think there's some really interesting parallels you can draw between General Motors finally accepting that hydrogen will be part of their future and BP finally accepting that oil is not going to be a part of theirs. So I think it is this point where we're starting to see the incumbents of the industry really starting to actually have to accept um, that they're going to have to change their business.
0: Yeah, and that's what I meant about this issue being an inflection point. Suddenly we see China's going to accelerate its renewables, America what's the same People taking a realistic view, the old incumbents taking a realistic view of the future and, and prepared to change. And I think that's all very exciting and more to look forward to. Um, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Um, we'll follow these stories as we go and we'll be back with you again next week. Thank you.